0: this is a download from force migration online to find out more please go to www.forcemigration.org
1: The seventh in our series on stateless diasporas. Um, this is jointly organised as a public seminar series by the Refugee Study Centre, but also um, with the Oxford Diaspora Programme um, here at, in the Department of um, International Development. And it's a real pleasure to introduce um, Bridget Wooding to you today, He's going to be discussing the situation of stateless Caribbean diasporas. And um, Bridget has lived and worked in the Caribbean for many, many years and has been a very vocal advocate for the rights of um, a variety of immigrant um, groups in the Dominican Republic, but particularly Haitian immigrants um, in that context. Over the past, she's worked with a very wide range of NGOs, including Oxfam, um, Save the Children UK, Norwegian Church Aid, and the Jesuit Refugee Service, and has also conducted extensive research at academic institutions, um, including the Latin America Faculty for Social Sciences Research and the um, Ibero-American University. She is the coordinator of the Observatory um, of Caribbean Migrants, and uh, recently she was awarded an OBE um, in the New Year's Honours List in recognition of her services to human rights in the Caribbean. Um, Bridget is the author of the book, or co author of the book, Needed But Unwanted Haitian Immigrants and Their Descendants in the Dominican Republic. And has also written a number of articles, including Contesting Dominican um, Discrimination and Statelessness, published in Peace Review in 2008, and numerous pieces on women, migration, and
0: rights activism. So, thank you very much, Bridget. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here, um, to be here in, here in Oxford, and um, to be invited by, by the Refugee Studies Centre and others to, to give this seminar in, in your series. Um, I should say at the outset that there, there is a particular uh, connection between, uh, between Oxford and human rights issues in Haiti and the Dominican Republic. In fact, this is footnoted in an academic article of 1994 written by a Belgian and a Dominican uh, sociologist Um, where they explain um, that the initial uh, international kind of human rights interest in the whole situation of Haitian migrant labour in the Dominican Republic was due to a little field report written by uh, an Oxfam field staff member in the late 70s, mid-late 70s, who sent back a report to Oxford suggesting there was something in the sugar cane fields that seemed like it needed investigation. Well, as we know, um, history tells us that what happened as a result of that tiny little field report from the Oxfam representative um, was that the Anti-Slavery Society, the ILO and others um, began, to, began to research the issues. So it, it seems quite fitting that... Um, now we're feeding back to, to Oxford some of, the, some of the things that have been happening with the descendants of those people um, that you know, Oxford, Oxfam, RSC um, initially um, evoked interest in. Um, so the, um, the, the title of my talk this, this afternoon, uh, the paper I'm going to give, is, it's called Embrace the Hyphen a case study on statelessness with regard to the Haitian diaspora in the Dominican Republic. And you'll see um, a little bit later why uh, this title is, is important. Um, and while we're talking about um, diasporas, stateless diasporas and forced migration and, and the Caribbean, um, but in fact the one issue... Um, which is most important in the Caribbean context, is the issue of um, the Haitian diaspora in the Dominican Republic. Um, And there is, in fact, an RSC briefing report um, of 2009 which states pretty unequivocally, for example, the problems of statelessness in the Dominican Republic are the result of both the denial and deprivation of citizenship and a deliberate lack of access In this setting, requirements are imposed as a way to prevent access to nationality. And in a non-exhaustive list of countries where these problems occur associated with with this typology of statelessness, the Dominican Republic figures alongside Bangladesh, the Federal Republic of Germany, Georgia, Kashmir, Nepal, Russia, to name but a few. In the case that we're looking at, Haitian migrants have been living and working in the neighbouring Dominican Republic uh, for a century, for over a century now, on the six, second biggest island in the Caribbean region. In the last quarter of a century, following the overthrow of the notorious Duvalier dictatorship in Port-au-Prince in 1986, the migration has been unregulated and has diversified beyond the traditional sugarcane enclaves towards the so-called new Haitian immigration, including to urban areas, and with a new stream of female migrants more visible than previously. Uh, But already in the late 70s, international stakeholders, including the UN system, international cooperation organisations, international human rights organisations, and foreign journalists, had collectively begun to express considerable concern about the (coughs) mistreatment of Haitian migrants in the sugar industry. But it's not until the early 90s that local civil society, especially the sons and daughters born to Haitian migrants in the Dominican Republic, take up not just the labour issues, but also the whole question of the right to Dominican nationality question for those of Haitian ancestry born on the east of the island. It's at that time that a convergence of interests develops between concerned international civil society and their counterparts locally, and this is reinforced by the whole question of policy advocacy um, with burgeoning diaspora organisations, Haitian and Dominican migrants alike in North America especially, as well as the representations being made by new emerging civil society organisations and related platforms in Haiti. Um, So it is that relevant networks in the Dominican Republic with support from external allies intensified the campaigning on the right to Dominican nationality over a decade ago. Um, But it's still really not quite clear whether or not all this campaigning um, is going to have broadly positive outcomes. Um, The issue is still um, very much um, under debate Part of the strategy uh, to contest discrimination and statelessness has consisted in legal challenges through the national court system. Initially, um, and when this has been ineffective through the inter-American human rights system, however, despite a landmark judgment secured in the regional Costa Rica court in 2005 in the emblematic case called John Bosico against the Dominican Republic, Um, the situation has still not improved significantly and on the contrary there would seem to have been a backlash where the situation has become more complicated and certainly more rarefied legally with the promulgation of a new constitution in Santo Domingo in January 2010 where there's a new conditionality clause on obtaining nationality. Uh, What this new clause specifies is that a positive migration status of foreign parents is a sine qua non for um, obtaining a Dominican birth certificate um, through this use solely principle. So, in this paper, after sketching briefly the context in which the discrimination and sometimes uh, resultant statelessness is played out, um, a, we carry out a little bit of analysis of the legal framework that it obtains, um, how and by whom documentation of the human rights violation takes place. Um, We note some of the key challenges in the legal ambit and the current situation following the constitutional change in 2010. Coincidentally, um, this occurred uh, just after the earthquake in Haiti. Um, And and so on the one hand, you have a new migration configuration across the island, and on the other hand, you have have the the earthquake. Um, So this coincidence of, of factors needs to be looked at um, and needs to be analysed. So how is it and why do those children born to unauthorised migrants in the Dominican Republic how do they miss out on birth registration and how does this put them at the risk of statelessness? Um, And as we know the plight of stateless people is marked by discrimination marginalisation and exclusion and the human insecurity brought about by statelessness may be translated into national (coughs) insecurity. Lack of documentation Impedes the enjoyment of many fundamental rights such as school enrolment, personal security, freedom of movement the access to health services and social security with related benefits so in this case study what we're trying to look at is to see how uh, how there might be certain limitations to approaching um, the issues exclusively from a legal point of view um, and we suggest that rather more attention needs to be given to cultural change if really the Dominican-Haitian population residing in permanent illegality in the host state, that is in the Dominican Republic, is going to effectively engage with the supposed guarantors of their economic, social and cultural rights on the island. Um, just a brief word on the context um, As many of you will know, um, we're talking about many decades of unregulated migration of Haitians who come to live and work in the Dominican Republic, their status is uncertain and they're vulnerable to widespread discrimination and abuses of human rights. Successive governments of the three principal political parties have virtually failed in the task of introducing a legal framework compatible with international norms. Nor have they responded effectively to the notorious and well-documented abuses on the part of migration officials, the security forces, the central electoral board, which is the authority responsible for the issuance of birth certificates and identity documents to those born in the country, as well as education and health services. It's a situation where the powerful groups of the private sector have a vested interest in maintaining an unregulated flow of cheap and docile labour in agriculture, construction and tourist resorts. In the last century, the then-dominant sugar industry depended on importing Haitian migrant labour, which worked on a pittance on the sugar plantations. After the collapse of the sugar industry in the 80s, other industries and services have taken advantage of this cheap and unregulated Haitian labour. But this problem is even more complicated by the deep-rooted and, and, um, and pretty um, widespread prejudices in the Dominican Republic, especially amidst the oligarchy. The perception is that Dominican identity is European and above all Hispanic, in spite of the fact that Dominicans have important African roots. And these attitudes towards Haiti and Haitian immigrants have their roots in the past, when the Dominican Republic separated from Haiti after 20. 20- two years of occupation by the latter. And this Dominican xenophobia had its most violent expression in 1937 when the then dictator Trujillo ordered a massacre to carry out, uh, a massacre of Haitian nationals and Dominico haitians in the border provinces, and it's calculated that some 6,000 people were killed. (coughs) Now, 50 years after the overthrow of the Trujillo regime, xenophobia and racism are relatively less prevalent but there's still much ignorance and prejudice. And political leaders are reluctant to take the lead on the issue for fear of being accused of betraying national interests. The net result of all this um, is that the reluctance of the uh, political leaders and the US attitude of private sector interests... Um, has played a particular, has placed a particular responsibility the onus is really on civil society practitioners in the human right, rights movement both internationally and in the country, and within the country um, and as we know this movement originated in the 1980s um, in parts inspired by uh, oxfam and other uh, human rights organisations at the international level. It continues today, but it's broadened the focus to encompass Haitian migrants and their descendants in the country as a whole. It goes beyond the sugarcane enclaves. And the notable difference I- I- over the years is that the Dominican NGOs are beginning to play the leading role with the international um, community uh, supporting rather than vice versa. So in this context, and why is it um, that some people um, get in and some people don't? In the Dominican Republic, the questions of birth registration and nationality are entwined. As elsewhere in Latin America, the jus soli doctrine here means that a Dominican birth certificate has become the evidence of nationality for children who are born in the country. The birth must be registered for the individual to be able to apply later for an ID card or a passport. And so the civil registry officials are charged with determining whether the child who has been brought before them is eligible or not for Dominican nationality. If the official decides that the child does not qualify for Dominican nationality, uh, they will refuse to register the birth and there's no clear appeal against such a decision. So the right to birth registration is equated to the right to Dominican nationality and denial of birth registration has become the mechanism for denial of nationality to children of irregular Haitian migrants. And obviously the birth certificate has uses beyond proving a claim to nationality in that it provides access to a host of other rights and special protections for the child such as protection against trafficking, child labour or early marriage. Up until recently, there had been no alternative civil civil register or birth certificate for these children whose birthright claim to legally exist is negated. So that tens of thousands of Haitian migrants face an uphill struggle trying to get birth certificates issued. In 2008, uh, an Inter-American Development Bank report found the following. Um, Approximately 20% of children born in the During public are not registered in a timely manner. 11.9% of the adult population is undocumented, rising to 25% for those adults in poverty situations. There's a strong association between lack of documentation and poverty, with persons of Haitian descent being in the main poor, either migrants or sons and daughters of Haitians. For Haitian migrants or Dominico haitian residents to achieve positive legal status in the Dominican Republic, it's incredibly complicated and almost impossible for the majority. And while acknowledging efforts made by the Dominican state, the situation is extremely complicated and it's an ongoing challenge to arrive at a consensus solution to the problem. So on the ground, the most common complaints explaining the lack of documentation are that it's all too expensive, too complicated, too bureaucratic. Um, and while that's true in a general sense, and the issue of sub-registration um, was one concerning the whole of the population. Um, beyond the routine difficulties, the, Haitian, uh, the population of Haitian descent is particularly discriminated against. Um, and they systematically denied what had been their constitutional right to documentation up until the new constitution in 2010. What happens is that they're usually blocked during the application process at the registry offices, um, and the decision as to whether the mother or parents are Haitians and therefore whether the child can be refused a birth certificate is often largely arbitrary. Documentation, documentation may be refused if they do not have Dominican IDs, they may have Haitian sounding names, they are black or speak accented Spanish. And one such example of the bias is given in the John and Bossico, the Inter-American Human Rights um, uh, Court case, where the lawyer for the plaintiffs told the Inter-American Court that the registry office office official objected to registering the two girls um, in question, glossing their surnames as foreign, African-sounding or Haitian. Um, Now, on the other side, it could be argued um, that those people of Haitian descent in the Dominican Republic might um, logically have some access to Haitian birth Registration, But this is not as simple as it sounds. Um, the fact is that it's uncommon for people to approach the Haitian authorities for birth registration of their children born in the Dominican public. And this is for two main reasons. In part, the people in question may perceive that they are Dominican or that their children are Dominican, especially in relation to birth registration for the third or fourth generation Dominican-born children of Haitian immigrants who have no real connection with Haiti other than distant ancestors. And so we're talking about people who see no need to um, apply for some kind of nationality uh, which would never be effective since um, the the, the children involved will not grow up um, in Haiti. And the second issue here is that it's also incredibly difficult to get um, Haitian nationality. According to the Haitian Constitution of 87 and the law on nationality in 1984, um, there are a number of uh, groups of Haitian origin born outside of the Haiti who do not have the automatic right to Haitian nationality, such as obviously the sons and daughters of asylum seekers or refugees, since their parents have renounced their nationality, the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of Haitians, since the parents have to be born in Haiti, the children who only have one Haitian parent, the sons and daughters of Haitian parents who do not have identity documents without which they cannot prove they're Haitian, Uh, and taking into account that the under-registration of those born in Haiti is even greater um, than in the Dominican Republic, Uh, or persons previously registered as citizens of other countries who now want to revert to Haitian nationality they have to reside in Haiti for five years before requesting naturalisation now there was an attempt just before uh, the new Haitian president took office, Martelly in May to change the Haitian constitution to allow for double nationality uh, but this attempt failed Um, so for those two reasons the fact that gaining patient nationality may not be an effective nationality. The fact that it's enormously difficult under current circumstances to get it um, puts the onus far more on, on what's happening um, in the Denimitian public as far as the authorities are concerned. So let's look a little bit more at the legal framework and um, on the one hand, uh, and what some people call on the other hand the double H syndrome um, which we'll come to in a moment Um, as many other countries the Dominican Republic is a party to several international and regional treaties that provide legal standards with respect to statelessness and the right to nationality the Dominican Republic for example has signed but not ratified the convention on the reduction of statelessness 1961 it is not a party to the convention relating to the status of stateless persons and following on from the Universal Periodic Review of the Dominican Republic um, on human rights issues, the Dominican Republic has said that it is considering ratifying um, uh, as well as signing, uh, signing and ratifying the latter. Also, it has said that it may consider the possibility of acceding to the 1990 UN Convention on the Protection of All Migrant Workers and Their Family Members, um, which came into force in 2003. However, the Dominican Republic's obligations under various treaties must be understood in terms of the General Recommendation No. 30 of the Committee on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination, which recommends that states, quote, recognise that deprivation of citizenship on the basis of colour, descent or national or ethnic origin is a breach of states' parties' obligations to ensure non-discriminatory enjoyment of the right to nationality. End of quote. Now, up until the end of 2009, Article 11 of the Dominican Constitution established citizenship according to the Youth soli Principle. All children born on national territory are Dominican nationals, nationals, with the exception of those um, uh, children whose parents are diplomats or persons in transit. Um, until, Until recently, for the purposes of citizenship exclusion, uh, the in-transit was understood to mean 10 days. Um, that was how it was defined in the, um, under the 1939 migration law um, until the migration law was changed in 2004. Now, this new, new general law on migration in 2004 redefined the in-transit exception, broadening, broadening it to include all children of non-residents now, non-resident is broadly defined to include not only travellers in transit to another country, that's to say the 10-day the idea, but also tourists, business people, labourers with temporary visas allowing them to work in the Dominican Republic, including seasonal workers in the sugar industry or performing other agricultural work, residents along the Dominican-Haitian border, persons who entered the country legally but have overstayed their visas, undocumented migrant workers and persons who cannot otherwise prove their residence in the Dominican Republic. In other words, suddenly overnight, um, people who may have lived and worked in the Dominican Republic for decades, if they don't have their documentation in order, may be suddenly found in transit and hence disenfranchised from a whole series of uh, rights which they believed up until then they held. So what what it is argued is that the Dominican Republic's current nationality policies deprive Dominicans of Haitian descent of recognition of citizenship, leaving them stateless. And as a result of historical discrimination, Dominicans of Haitian descent face particular challenges in providing documentary proof of their citizenship or that of their parents and are thus disproportionately affected by current practices. Individuals who do not have documentary proof of their, their parents uh, Dominican citizenship are told they must go to foreign embassies and and consul- consulates to obtain um, their birth certificates. So many parents of Dominican-born children lacked the necessary documentation due to the long-standing refusal of many local governmental officials to issue it to to persons believed to be of Haitian descent. Now, civil society activists believed that a new benchmark was set when the inter-American human rights system passed a judgment on this emblematic case in so-called strategic litigation, Dilcia Jean and Violeta Bosica versus the Dominican Republic. Now this case was brought by two Dominican girls of Haitian descent, Dilcia and Violeta. They were denied their Dominican birth certificates, even though they and their mothers had been born on Dominican territory. As a result, they could not enroll in school and remained vulnerable to summary expulsion from their country of birth. The Inter-American Court ruled that the government's birth registration policy constituted impermissible racial discrimination, which had the effect of rendering Dominican children of Haitian descent effectively stateless and barred them from accessing basic human rights in violation of the American Convention on Human Rights, particularly the rights to recognition of a juridical personality, Article 3, given name, Article 18, nationality, Article 20 and equal protection before the law, Article 24. Now, notwithstanding this jurisprudence of 2005 and in direct breach of this historic judgment, the Dominican government has continued discriminating against persons of Haitian descent in their access to citizenship in three principal ways. Firstly, there's the issue of the refusal to give notification of birth documents, in the maternity hospital. Um, Either this happens um, by a refusal to Dominican mothers of Haitian descent who only have a birth certificate since they have been denied their Dominican identity document and in consequence they're not being given a written notification of the birth of their sons and daughters or it may occur through refusal to mothers without their official residency documents even in the case where the father of the newborn is Dominican. Similarly, there may be a denial of the birth certificates in the civil registry offices for children of foreign parents or Haitian parents. Uh, And this may be even if there's a Dominican mother and a father of Haitian descent, if there's a Dominican mother and a Haitian father of Haitian descent, if there's an undocumented Haitian mother and a Dominican father, or even a Haitian mother with official residency document and a Dominican father. So there are all kinds of uh, variations in which this is actually happening. At the same time, the government is retroactively applying the 2004 migration law to denationalise Dominicans of Haitian descent, whose citizenship had already been recognised by the state. The Dominican Republic has refused to issue ID Cards on the basis that the birth certificates, a necessary prerequisite to get the ID card, are no longer valid because their parents were non-residents when their births were registered. In many cases, the affected individuals were born 10 and 20 years prior to the creation of this category of non-resident by the 2004 migration law. So that those denied their ID cards are unable to vote, attend school, obtain lawful employment, or register the birth of their children. And this latter impediment creates a cycle of statelessness and marginalisation that affects multiple generations in the same family. Now thirdly, the Dominicans of Haitian ancestry, whose nationality was previously recognised by the government, have also been disproportionately affected by an internal memorandum issued in 2007 by the Central Electoral Board, which is the state agency that administers all the civil registry operations. And what they're calling for is um, a provisional suspension of so-called irregular state civil registry documents, including birth certificates and national identity cards, And once ordered, this provisional suspension can only be lifted by an express decision of the Central Electoral Board and after a period of investigation. Um, So it appears that the Central Electoral Board has begun proactively identifying individuals from whom it wishes to withdraw recognition of Dominican nationality, even though they had previously been issued um, birth certificates with IDs and with passports. Um, And this is in a context where the Dominican law... says that the Central Electoral Board is not empowered to cancel or to prohibit the issuance of identity documents to Dominican nationalities. Only a judge can do so, and the um, Central Electoral Board should be obligated to continue issuing these documents until such a time as as a legal dispute is resolved. To some extent a new administrative disposition, administrative disposition 32 which was adopted just last month in October has mitigated some of the effects of these 2007 dispositions and it appears to be opening up some space for political dialogue um, but it's being very um, unevenly applied. What this new administrative disposition says is that people should be issued um, with the full abstract of their Birth certificate when they need it in order to engage in different civil transactions, until um, the documents which appear to be under question, you know, have been judicially dealt with. Um, but this is being very unevenly applied. So we have a situation where collectively all these discriminations are sometimes known as the double H syndrome. Um, given that they may be labelled and justified by officials with the hijos de Haitianos label, in other words, the kind of children of Haitians mantra. Um, So we're not talking about any foreigners whose children are being targeted, but um, it's quite definitely one particular um, collective of migrants. So what's the current um, situation and um, perspectives? We now face a situation where over two decades civil society activists in the Dominican Republic, accompanied by international human rights advocates, have intensified the challenge to the arbitrary way in which the right to Dominican nationality was dispensed, Um, or not, for those who should have been considered as Dominicans of Haitian descent. So since the late 90s, the inter-American human rights system was used to challenge the denial of nationality and this climaxed with the landmark ruling on the John and Bosico case in 2005 and and notwithstanding the subsequent mixed results of that that case. Um, On the one hand, there was some lip service which was done to some aspects of the case um, such as giving some reparations to the children concerned to the lawyers who'd undertaken the, the case um, but at the same time all the issues to do with um, not repeating the same abuses have not been observed and on the contrary there's been a, in practice an almost widening of the, of the discrimination that was noted in those circumstances. It's important to note that the, the John and Bosico case itself um, was clear that the issues went far beyond legal ones and there was a whole panoply of cultural issues um, that come to play here. An, ex- an expert witness who was brought on behalf of uh, the John case, um, and Bossico case and whose cultural anthropologist, Samuel Martinez, his-, his statement to the Inter-American Court um, began in this way. He said... Dominico Haitians are not only struggling for legal citizenship but also for cultural citizenship so that a broader recognition is given to their belonging in the Dominican Republic such that they may legitimately be part of the country. Cultural citizenship is a broad term which legal scholars and social researchers have created to describe the aforesaid unwritten presuppositions about those who in race, ethnic, class terms belong totally to the nation which defines their fundamental identity The exclusion from cultural citizenship may have negative social, economic and psychological consequences for people who are internally colonised or disadvantaged um, ethnic racial minorities who see themselves relegated to the permanent condition of second class citizens or whose citizenship may be totally denied. This is a situation where, where we have at the moment a situation where legal challenges have been made um, where there's a clear understanding um, that we're not just talking about legal categories but the whole question of um, integration, social cohesion um, recognition of cultural cultural identities so in these circumstances what is it that, that local civil society is currently advocating for and, and then what really are the challenges facing this. There are four basic things which the local civil society is really advocating on and one of which is that the problem of documentation for Dominican of Haitian ancestry needs to be resolved because they're having their right to an identity document denied. And in this regard, the state needs to apply the relevant legislation, both national and international, At the same time, national legislation should be amended to avoid possible gaps or interpretation of a discriminatory and exclusionary nature. As a minimum, all those born on Dominican territory prior to the new constitution of January 2010 should be recognised as Dominican citizens. Secondly that every effort should be made to ensure that governmental institutions do not apply retroactively the new constitution of 2010. In other words, ensuring that those persons with the right to Dominican nationality or who have already obtained it, irrespective of their ethnic origins, do not lose legal, legal rights that they previously enjoyed. Thirdly, that the Central Electoral Board... Um, should carry out investigations when it feels um, the need to do so respecting due process and including notifications in writing and fourthly that the Dominican government should be encouraged to protect all citizens without discriminating and effectively investigate the alleged cases of nationality stripping denationalisation in regard to Dominicans of Haitian descent in other words embrace the hyphen Now this was a phrase which was actually used by a representative of the US State Department, David Robinson, in a conference on statelessness which was held in Washington just last month. Um, He made a speech on October the 26th and what he did was he stressed the value placed on the ethnic origins in the US context where the hyphen has been embraced as regards Dominican americans Chinese-Americans and and Afro-Americans. This um, really is perhaps the the kind of the single biggest um, stumbling block in the case of the Haitian diaspora and their descendants in the Dominican Republic, in that um, the, for socio-cultural reasons um, there really are, is not sufficient of a push towards their proper proper inclusion. Uh, and the idea is that all these questions need to be framed within an agenda of social inclusion, whereby social cohesion is enhanced and not jeopardised by the actions of the state. Looking a little bit more closely at the situation over the last two years, and, and looking more um, more, a little bit at the, more sharply at the, at the challenges that really face human rights advocates and especially face local civil society on the island. <clears throat> As we all know, the um, Haitian earthquake of January 2010 um, was probably the worst urban humanitarian crisis of this century I know because I was on a work mission in Haiti and survived the Haiti earthquake so I speak um, from personal experience on that one um, um, but it did have the, um, the, the amazing effects paradoxically of unsettling all the commonly held beliefs around Dominico haitian relations and specifically on Haitian migration to the Dominican Republic. now there are various issues to be highlighted in this regard on um, um, First of all, the renowned mistreatment of Haitian migrant labour in the Dominican Republic has now been overshadowed by the image of the Dominican Republic as the Good Samaritan coming to the succour of Haiti selflessly in its hour of need before anybody else. Now this was particularly the case because the US, as we know, came off rather badly. Um, They started off controlling the airport and not allowing humanitarian aid through. Um, And so compared with the US, the Dominican Republic really did become the the good neighbour on this occasion. But also, um, there's this uh, mantra which the right-wing extremists always come up with um, whenever there's this kind of sudden-onset natural hazards or peaks of political instability. uh, There's always this fear that we're going to have a stampede of Haitians attempting to cross the border. Uh, so this is always um, what gets cited as a, as a reality, even though in practice um, this supposed security threat for the Dominican Republic never materializes. And as we know, in the case of the earthquake, the bulk of the forced displacement has taken place within Haiti. And while uh, some two, more than two million people left their homes... Um, uh, there 's still around half a million people living in makeshift camps in and around port au prince, but nevertheless, there was only a minor influx of new migrants following, following the earthquake um, so it 's a case that that myth also uh, really ceases to to be a real threat. Um, one of, the, one of the difficulties that has meant that some of these issues have been um, not covered in such an opportune way has been the fact that a number of the pro-migrant rights activists in the Dominican Republic um, have been committed to helping within Haiti in, in response to the humanitarian crisis in Haiti um, they leapt in, they still spend considerable time there, and in, in consequence they're only recently returning a little bit more to deal with some of the issues on the so-called Haitian question in, in the Dominican Republic. And now this was particularly the case because, if you remember, the earthquake happened on the 12th of January 2010, which is almost exactly a fortnight before the new Dominican constitution was promulgated. So the constitution kind of came in and everybody was fixated with Uh, with Haiti and so initially there was little attention paid to monitoring how the latter, that's to say the constitution was being introduced and applied and at the same time there is a kind of new window of opportunity in the fact that some of the Dominican authorities have begun to um, have a little bit more of a humanitarian attitude towards Haitian migrants for the first time Um, since the earthquake Uh, This has been particularly the case on the issues of children and and women. There have been new initiatives that were brought in uh, following following the earthquake, Um, while there's a clear kind of humanitarian gap um, in that um, those people within Haiti, for the first time in Haiti, were actually covered by um, the non-binding special... Principles for internal displacement, but once somebody crosses a the border, there's no equivalent international legislation which covers them. And partly in response to that gap, there were some new initiatives from the Meccan government, um, especially on the, on the question of children—those um, children who were not technically orphaned but who were being, you know, in traffic or, or irregularly adopted. Um, and issues of women in connection with with gender violence that there has been a heightened awareness of some of the issues which were ongoing issues anyway um, but really became magnified after after the earthquake. And so what we can see is that to some extent there has been a change of discourse around Haitian immigrants. There's somewhat of a more enabling and inclusive environment Um, but this doesn't automatically translate to those um, children, those sons and daughters born to Haitians in the Dominican Republic. It's one thing to have a slightly more um, open attitude towards Haitian immigrants. It's quite another to accept their children born in the Dominican Republic as citizens. Um, but nevertheless, there, there is some more space there for, for work. So what we have today, as of late 2011, is a broad-based movement, including migrants' groups, those representatives of their descendants, organisations accompanying them, some international organisations based in the Dominican Republic, especially with a child's rights focus, faith-based groups and human human rights organisations all of these in the Dominican Republic have coalesced and they're dedicated to eradicating the perceived and documented discrimination in the way in which the civil registry is run. And this coalition argues that the net result of the current status quo is leaving more persons of Haitian descent stateless than ever before and um, the situation which um, you know, is likely to um, get even worse. Now the legal framework adopted by the state needs still to be followed through even further on the issue of regularisation of those Haitian immigrants with an irregular status over a specified time, um, as should have been allowed for in the transitory dispositions of the new migration law, um, which was adopted in 2004. Uh, For example, there is an amnesty law promoted by um, a senator called uh, Dominguez Brito, and this could be followed up. This is especially important now because the President, Leonel Fernandez, has just approved the rules of procedure for the 2004 general migration law. And logically, the regularisation plan allowed for as a precursor to the application of the migration law should be decided upon swiftly in order to avoid anomalies. In other words, what you've got is if you don't do that is you've got an, an uneven playing field because you haven't got any way of people regularising their status and yet if they are not legally resident in the Dominican Republic, the issue of what happens to their children um, becomes more acute than ever before. And taking into account also that the Dominican Republic is the only country in the region home to such a significant um, number of undocumented migrations, undocumented migrants and has never had a regularisation programme. Finally, it has been the case that using the peg of the 50 years anniversary of the UN Treaty on the Reduction of Statelessness, there was a week of policy advocacy in Washington in October this year, uh, undertaken by Dominican civil society activists with colleagues based in the US, And this followed on from a rather pointed conversation with the competent authorities in the Dominican Republic, engaged on in earlier in the month by the US Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Now these combined manoeuvres appear to have produced some space for civic and religious organisations to take forward the dialogue with Dominican officials on the nationality question in Santo Domingo. While this advance is positive, it's likely to remain insufficient until as and when there is greater sensitization across the island as to the fundamental rights of the sons and daughters born to Haitian workers and their families in the Dominican Republic. Their proper inclusion in society at large needs to be much more broadly acclaimed and not subject to the whims of arbitrary officialdom or periodical political scapegoating. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this download, you might like to listen to other podcasts of Force Migration online. www.forcemigration.org
1: podcasts.